Hello and welcome to the Journal.ie's The Explainer, where every week we take a deep dive into a different news story. I'm Nikki Ryan, standing in for Sinead O'Carroll, and this week, why is the Living With Covid plan being changed again? Before I go any further, I want to play you a clip from Taoiseach Michal Martin's address to the nation this week. I know that people are physically and emotionally exhausted by this pandemic. It has placed enormous pressure on each of us individually and as a society. Businesses and workers are deeply worried about the future. And we are all completely fed up with the impositions on our lives. Your own views on the government and its handling of this crisis aside, whether you're eager to get back into the pub with a pint and a packet of bacon fries, or maybe that's beside the point, you're quite happy to stay at home for as long as it takes. I think we can all see a little bit of ourselves in what Michal said there. The past winter has seen some of the most challenging weeks so far in this pandemic, but spring and summer will be as difficult in a very different way, as a balance is struck between reopening the economy while keeping a lid on the new highly transmissible variant of the coronavirus, and all while buying some time to make sure more the population receives a dose of a Covid vaccine. Because of this, the Living With Covid plan, with its wide range of different levels and restrictions, is being adjusted. I'm joined by our senior reporter Michelle Hennessy and our political correspondent Christina Finn to examine what exactly we can expect from the plan, which has been refreshed or revitalised or just reheated depending on who you ask. Michelle, I'm going to turn to you first. Did you think you'd be back here again on the explainer discussing yet another change to the government's COVID roadmap? I mean, no, I didn't. I I think um, the Taoiseach put it well when he said people are physically and emotionally exhausted. And I think that applies to the sort of various changing plans. People are exhausted by those as well. We're only five months on from the announcement of the plan for living with COVID-19. And this is now a a sort of a a refresh, as it's been termed, of that. Uh, That was the plan that introduced the five levels everyone's familiar with now. And the expectation had been that that plan would be used in the long term. So I think people were surprised to hear, I, mean, I certainly was anyway, that the government was going to to release this refresh of, of that plan. And Christina, um, do you think the government were surprised themselves that they were back in the situation again? I think they are. Um, I don't think Leo Varadkar, when he stood there in Washington, D.C. all those months ago in March when he announced the first lockdown in Ireland would have expected that in 2021 he'd be standing at that podium again um, outlining yet another refreshed plan. I remember speaking also to one government source around the time of the election last year saying sure we'll get into talks with Fianna Fáil and um, you know this COVID-19 stuff will run its course and by the summer sure things will be back to normal. So I don't think anyone would have expected to be back here again. Michelle, um, let's just take a look at the changes made. Um, Now, I'm sure all of our listeners will be more than familiar with the Living With Covid plan. I'd I'd hope everyone is because we've already talked about it on a few other episodes. Um, It's largely dictated our lives for some time now. But Michelle, can you just bring us back to when it was first introduced and explain a little bit how it compared to the previous reopening roadmap and what the exact aim of it all was? Yeah, I mean, so I I went back actually a bit further than that just for the crack and because I don't have anything else to do in my spare time. Just for the crack. Uh, and I, <laughs> just for the crack. Just for the crack. I, I went back and uh, and had a look at the plan that the first plan that was published back in March because I, I was just interested to see and my 
my memory of it was just completely gone. I realized that was the national action plan published in March. And the plan was like, when you look back at it, it's so, so basic. It spoke of those three phases that people might remember now from the early days, containment, delay and mitigation. And the mitigation came into play uh, when there was widespread sustained uh, transmission. So that's kind of where we've been for a very long time. And the actions in that phase were you know, providing essential services while prioritising protection of the most vulnerable. Uh, and this is the phase that we're all really familiar with now. And when you look back, I'm really struck by how far we've come since then, because a lot of the the actions in it are the things that we just do automatically now, uh, things that we just know about, things people are experts in, like getting to know more about the virus and how uh, it, it can be transmitted, learning terms like social distancing, uh, knowing what self-isolation at home means, creating plans for working at home and so on. And that was the really basic stuff that was that was being done, you know, just a year ago. So I mean, I kind of thought before we get into the, the negatives and the criticisms about the the new refresh of the plan, it, it's probably a good reminder for people that we have actually come a really long way since then. So in terms of the Living with COVID plan, that was published in September last year. And this took over for the Roadmap for Reopening Society and Business, which was published in May with five phases. Though this was then accelerated in June, so there were really only four. I won't get into that. This had dates for each phase, relaxing more restrictions as you went with a review every three weeks. And in this plan, we had guidelines we're familiar with a certain number of people uh, not from the same household meeting outdoors, a 20 kilometre restriction for travelling outside your home, restrictions on social gatherings. It also laid in a timetable for the reopening of individual sectors such as childcare and retail. I'd actually forgotten until I, I looked back at it for the podcast that it, it had those specific dates in it for various phases. So then in September, last year the government published the living with COVID plan and it's five levels so levels instead of phases with this one because uh, the, the living with COVID plan was was more about you know if we go into lockdowns if there are different types of restrictions the reopening plan was was more about how we move out of a lockdown situation and reopen businesses reopen education all those things because we were coming out of a situation we'd never been in in and then into another situation that we'd never been in before either um so they, they sort of had had different aims now when it was announced um the living with covid plan we were at level two but that didn't last long dublin was soon at level three that was actually just days after it was announced and then the, the whole country was back in lockdown so in level five the following month and the key aim of this plan was, ironically now, to bring clarity to the situation. So when the first lockdown in March was introduced, it was obviously a massive shock for people. Uh, like I said, everybody was new to it, including the public government and the public health officials. Uh, and there were a lot of unknowns in terms of reopening uh, and what would happen uh, when the case numbers shot back up again after the summer. So the, the idea was that if the government said we're moving to level three or level four or level five or things are going well, so we, you know, we, now we, we can move to level one. People would already know the basics of what that would mean in terms of the sectors of society that could open and how meeting up with friends and family indoors and outdoors, how many people they could have at their weddings, which sporting events they might be able to attend, uh, whether they'd have to work at home and so on. So we had, we've essentially had three plans, just to some of what you said there. We had one in March, we had one in May, one in September, and this is the September one just being rejigged slightly again. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you could, I suppose, technically say this is a fourth plan because they did publish a document. But uh, I would be of the opinion that there isn't enough new information in the document published yesterday for it to be a fourth plan. Kind of living with COVID part two. But look, this is making it... This is making Still it, living with COVID. That's what we should call it. This is, this is making it a bit probably more confusing than it needs to be. But 
was this living with COVID plan? What it, it has been a bit of a kind of a movable feast. Was it always planned to be chopped and changed so much as we go along? I do think the government very early on called it uh, the living with COVID plan was what they called a living document. So they were saying to us that even though it was supposed to be a relatively clear plan that it could change depending on the circumstances. I'm not sure that they planned for it to be as flexible as it actually became. And they probably didn't fully anticipate what it would be like when they decided not to follow the advice, the full advice of the National Public Health Emergency Team, which has actually happened a couple of times now. So for example, in October, and this was not long after they had released the plan, NEF recommended the country move to level five, the whole country. And the government rejected that, instead deciding the country would join Dublin and Donegal, who were at that stage at level three. Then, of course, we moved to level three again in December for Christmas, but with some variations. So it was a different version of level three than we had been at before. Um, so shops and personal services reopened first, then travel beyond uh, county boundaries was permitted, pubs and restaurants reopening. Uh, and then later on, visitors were allowed into homes later in December. So again, there, the government decided to go against NEFID's advice. They would dispute whether they actually did or not. Uh, but the NEFID advice was that they shouldn't allow both hospitality and household visits in December. I think the government argument is that the spacing out of hospitality reopening and then the delayed household visits accounts for the same thing as not allowing both at the same time. Um, but that, that's an argument that's been hashed out already, I think. Uh, there have been cr- criticisms of just how flexible it is. So at level three, the first time nationally, wet pubs were allowed to be open other than in Dublin. Um, so even regionally, there were differences. Uh, and I think that was qu- quite confusing for people. And again, that happened early on, uh, just a month after the, the plan had been first announced. So you had confusion straight out of the gate there. Um, this is something that, that was amended to take into account that the large number of cases in Dublin at the time. And that was an early example of, you know, h- how how much change could happen within the actual document itself. So even though the government had warned people it was a living document, these kinds of changes and particularly the decisions made around Christmas, level three with some variations as it was known at the time, that weakened public confidence quite significantly in the plan. And public confidence, because of the the early inconsistencies or perceived inconsistencies, it wasn't that strong in the first place. The idea had been to provide certainty, but when the decisions were being made, I think the government soon realised it wasn't as easy as maybe they, they had thought it would be. And, you know, people were asking, which version of level three, four or five are we going to get this time? So back to the announcement this week, was it a massive overhaul of the Living With COVID plan? Well, I wouldn't really call it an overhaul, I don't think. I mean, the first thing to note for people is that the levels, the five levels of restrictions haven't changed. Uh, there are still five of them. The restrictions within them are the same. The most detail we got in terms of dates, which is what people really want to know now, related to schools. So from the 1st of March, we'll see a return of junior infants, senior infants, first class and second class in primary school, and also leaving cert students in sixth year in second level. And then two weeks later, all primary school children uh, will begin to return from the 15th of March with a return for fifth years in secondary school also expected at that point. And then the remainder of secondary school students won't return until after the Easter holidays. Uh, we also heard about childcare. So from the 8th of March, the early childhood care and education program will reopen. The uh, 29th of March, we'll see the reopening of early learning and care and school-aged childcare services will reopen. And we also heard that the healthcare service is going to do a phased return to non-COVID health 
healthcare, uh, which is something that has had to be stopped a couple of times now due to lockdowns. Then after the 5th of April, things start to get significantly less detailed. And I think this is the problem that, that people are going to have with the plan. Essentially, when we get to the start of April, the government will look at where we are and consider whether some additional easing could be done. So some of the, the things could be eased. Uh, we could see restrictions on outdoor activities and meeting beyond one other household eased. There'll also be consideration of extending the current five kilometre limit for travel. Uh, and there could be the start uh, of easing other areas of restriction um, with a focus on outdoor activities, including sport, possibly some areas of work like construction uh, could return on a limited basis. So there are a number of criteria they'll consider before making that decision, such as levels of community transmission, hospital and ICU numbers, also progress with the vaccination programme and developments with the new variants, um, whatever they might be at that time. So at that stage, they'll be in a position to assess how much of an impact the return to school and that general increase of movement of people that comes with it had on transmission levels over the course of that time. Any further easing of restrictions after the 5th of April will need a further three to four week period to allow for assessment of the impact of changes. And that, that's what the plan outlines. Uh, the government also confirmed yesterday that support measures for both businesses and individuals, such as the pandemic unemployment payment and also the employment wage subsidy scheme, they'll be extended until the 30th of June. And so you're talking there about how we're going to look at the restrictions again in April, but there's no real hard and fast end to lockdown outline of this plan it's kind of we're going to look at it in april see how whatever changes are made then affect the spread of covid and then assess the next steps after that is that right yeah that's right and i mean even just to manage expectations when we get to april you're still just looking at a small number of things that could be eased like that five kilometer limit and maybe you know meeting somebody outside uh, meeting a couple of households outside potentially and then things like construction might return so the, the sort of larger lockdown it looks like that's going to be a bit longer uh, and it's a real wait and see that was kind of the message from government this week and looking beyond those April and May dates, we do have some idea of what the summer might be like. It's being described as an outdoors summer. Was there much said about, you know, staycations or even the basic reopening of hospitality like gastropubs in this plan? Well, unfortunately, we didn't really get any certainty on how people might be able to spend their summer. I mean, leaders yesterday were very wary of giving any timelines in relation to things like staycations and also the reopening of hospitality. So Thomas Shilley of Radker said he, he didn't think it would be possible, uh, it wouldn't be fair either to give dates now to these businesses when there can't be any certainty that the government would be able to deliver that. This week, we also heard from Mike Ryan of the World Health Organization. He warned that dates don't drive anything, as in dates won't drive down transmission. He said what drives decision making is numbers, the number of cases, the number of deaths, the trajectory of the epidemic. Uh, and the line that was being rolled out by the government yesterday was that the 5th of April is the key date. They'll review where we are then. But even at that, like I already said, they're only looking at the five kilometre rule uh, in terms of maybe people travelling within the country. I think it, it may be unlikely that they'll allow intercounty travel at that point. Uh, and, you know, it might be a while before that's opened back up as a possibility for people. One thing we do know now is that international travel for leisure purposes, so for holidays abroad, that will continue to be discouraged both by public health officials and the government. Uh, and th there's a clear message on that. They're saying this is not the time to book a holiday abroad. And there was also some information about the vaccine rollout and changes to the priority groupings. Could you give us a rundown of that? 
Yeah, there was some good news this week for uh, people who have underlying conditions who've been cocooning for the guts of a year now. And, uh, you know, they're obviously at significant risk. They've been moved up the priority list. They're now the fourth cohort. So this means they'll receive their vaccinations after the current group of over 70s. And there was a very detailed list of conditions released with the announcement uh, about of people who come into this category. They include people who have cancer or chronic kidney disease, chronic neurological disease, chronic respiratory disease, diabetes, people who are immunocompromised, people who have an inherited metabolic disease, uh, those who have an intellectual disability uh, and uh, anyone who is obese or uh, who has sickle cell disease. And what do we know about the timeline over the next few months? This week, the Taoiseach said Ireland is making steady progress with the vaccination programme. And he also gave a bit of an outline of where we will be as we move into the summer. So he said 1.25 million doses will have been administered by the end of March. And then he said, depending on vaccines arriving as scheduled, which isn't always guaranteed, uh, we'll administer on average more than 1 million doses per month during April, May and June. He explained that in practical terms, by the end of April, up to 47% of people over the age of 18 will have received their first vaccine dose and by the end of May up to 64% will have had their first dose. He also said uh, by the end of June up to 82% so I mean that that's a massive proportion up to 82% of adults who can be vaccinated will have received at least one dose and 55 to 60% will be fully vaccinated. So I mean that's something to look forward to if we can keep on track with that. And by those May, June dates uh, you're talking about there, um, the English government announced this week that they're planning to reopen in a very significant way by that stage. What was announced this week? I know that some people may have been looking at it with a little bit of jealousy. Yeah, I think that was the the sort of main emotion people had. And of course, the, the UK plan was announced before the Irish plan. They are very different. The main difference is in the detail. There is a lot of it in the UK plan in terms of dates. Uh, So the the plan has four phases, starting with a a return to school and it lists four different dates. So the the first phase is obviously uh, starting from the 8th of March. Then the 12th of April is the second one. Step three is the 17th of May. And again, this is things reopening actually quite significantly at each phase. And then the final step, it's the 21st of June. And at this stage, it would see all league limits on social contact removed. Uh, it's also hoped that the, the sort of final closed sectors of the, the economy, such as nightclubs, could be allowed to reopen and restrictions on large events could also be eased. So that's quite, you know, they expect to be quite far along. And again, this all depends on the vaccination programme. I mean, a, a lot of what the, the UK government uh, has said the criteria would be for all of these steps uh, are similar to what we'll be looking at, you know, case numbers, uh, the successful deployment of the vaccine, uh, also evidence showing that vaccines are working at reducing hospitalisation uh, and also that new variants don't change that risk assessment. Christina, I want to turn to you here because when we're talking about what the UK are doing um, and hearing about how they could be at a far more advanced stage, well, they hope to be at a far more advanced stage than Ireland will be come May, June. That raises the question of what's going to happen if Northern Ireland is at a far more advanced stage of reopening than the Republic of Ireland is. Has the government given any indication of how they will handle that scenario? Um, I asked the Taoiseach that this week at the press conference when the new plan was announced and the Taoiseach said that the government will have to reflect on what to do when restrictions in Northern Ireland are eased at a much faster pace than they are here in the Republic. So at the moment, Northern Ireland's lockdown restrictions are 
somewhat aligned to ours. That's particularly, we chose the 5th of March date to make sure that we were kind of on the same page on, on the whole island. Um, their lockdown's been extended to April 1st, but schools are going back a lot sooner. But I suppose given that um, the UK Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, has announced these new plan and much more fast-tracked than ours, if the North does differ considerably from the South in the coming months, that's going to be a major problem for the Irish government in terms of how they handle that. And it's been an issue, I think, throughout this entire pandemic where there have been calls for an all-island approach to this. But if you have a situation where by June nightclubs are allowed to open up in Belfast and we're very, very far back on our plan, that's just going to be very difficult for not only to control in terms of perhaps people heading up to the north to avail of the services that are open, but also just, you know, the message of bringing people with you. That's, you know, we're constantly engaged, I suppose, with the UK media and what's going on above the border. It's not something that's far removed from us or away from our eye line. So if you see people out and about and enjoying things and services, it's going to be a bitter pill, I think, for people to swallow here. And I suppose going forward, that's going to be, that is, as you say, it's going to be a big challenge because we have had some cross-border agreement on certain measures, but this could be a huge divergence um, down the line. Just in terms of our own plan, Christina, um, we mentioned a little bit about hospitality there and, you know, lobby groups like the two Vintners associations are often on TV and radio and other groups. Is there much pressure on the government from the hospitality sector right now to get it up and running again? There's always pressure from whatever sector, I think, in terms of when they can reopen their business. If we think that pubs, for instance, have been closed for coming up to a year now. So it's not, I suppose, unreasonable for them to be placing some pressure on the government, maybe not for immediate reopening, but somewhat clarity um, on what they can expect in the weeks and months ahead. The Taoiseach did say a couple of weeks ago um, in the doll that he didn't want to hear from TDs lobbying on behalf of different sectors for reopening, that the message was clear, that it was, you know, sort of putting the shoulder to the wheel at this point. But look, lobby groups, they represent businesses. And as much as people give out about that, those businesses are real people with bills coming in the door. So it's I, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that, you know, over the next couple of months, there will be pressure ratcheted up on the government, um, perhaps not for those key dates, but to give, as you said, uh, those key details about what they can expect, what will be needed for them to be able to run their business throughout the summer months, at least. And while that's one sector that they're still waiting on these all important dates, the education sector is one where we do have a lot of firm information about what's going to happen over the next few weeks. But that was a very kind of difficult and very fragile process in terms of the discussions between the Department of Education and the unions. Um, How difficult was it to get those plans over the line? Speaking to some people in government when they were in those talks, it was described to me as a horrific struggle that um, some of the discussions were very fractious. And, you know, from what I'm told, a lot of the teachers um, were adamant that they wanted to get back into the classroom, that they knew the impact that this was having on children and of students. And some of them even saying perhaps that the unions were you know, not putting that argument forward. So from what I can gather, it was a huge struggle for the government to get that over the line. Obviously, there was massive criticism, I think, at the time of the education minister in terms of, 
you know, the the messaging around that, the clarity and the dates that were leaking out, of perhaps putting things out there that weren't totally signed off on from the unions. But look, that's always been a struggle when it comes to negotiations uh, with unions, be it from, I think, any any sector. But I think most people now this week will just be welcome of that clarity in terms of getting students back to school. It was the number one priority really for this government um, when they knew that they were going to refresh this living with COVID plan. And I think it'll be watched very closely in terms of, you know, the impact of that. And I think NEFID and some of the officials will be looking very closely and monitoring um, the return of, of students into those classrooms over the next week or so. And that's obviously going to be one of the big challenges. We've also spoken about what's going to happen if Northern Ireland have a different set of restrictions. Uh, we've spoken about the pressure being increased on government from various lobby groups. But what do you think is going to be the big challenge for the government over the coming weeks and months? I think the biggest challenge for this government in the next couple of weeks and months is going to bring people along with them and the communication strategy that's going to do that. I think the confusion over the last couple of days in relation to how the government plans to handle the next phase of this pandemic has just been about mixed messages and just pretty much plain old bad communication. But I do think you, you can already see, you know, surveys coming out this week that you know, there's frustration, anger out there, and there's a lack of adherence in terms of people even sticking to the five kilometre rule. So I, I do think that's going to be the key issue for this government. I was somewhat taken aback that Michal Martin said this week that there was no problem with the government's communication. But I think they're missing a beat here in terms of the level of frustration out there and the wariness of people and just remembering that you know not everybody tunes in um to leaders questions every day and not everyone is listening to to Michal Martin on a daily basis and I, I think if they're going to try and bring people along with them to make people adhere to this plan um they're going to have to think somewhat outside the box I think and I think if you're going into April as well and you're not throwing a bone uh, in terms of the easing of restrictions at that point, I think a lot of people will just throw the hat in. This is obviously a a very slow and a very cautious reopening. Is there a fear in government or do you think they are maybe driven by a fear of repeating those same mistakes that were made in early December with that phase of the reopening, which has obviously led to, you know, the very high debt toll that we've seen in recent weeks and is actually, you know, it's continuing to now in late February. There certainly is a lot of fear, I think, in government of repeating that. Um, you know, they've come out to kind of say that, look, hospitality wasn't the key driver. You know, it was also to do with social gatherings in people's homes around Christmas. And I think Leo Varadkar has come out to kind of say they put their hands up that mistakes were made around the Christmas period and they're adamant really not to get hammered in that respect again. So I think it will be about balance. Um, that's going to be the the key issue here, I think, for them in terms of, as we were speaking about earlier, bringing people along with them, but also with that very cautious and slowly approach, because I think the level of criticism that they received in December and January and, you know, the phase that we're in now, it, it still hasn't left them in terms of what's being feeded back through their parliamentary party and the level of frustration people are feeling right now. 
And in striking that balance and taking that careful approach, is there much division internally or are Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael and the Greens, are they all on the same page about how they're moving forward? I think in the summer months last year, there was definitely more of a a disparity in terms of where maybe not political parties were, but individuals within government, some people, you know, wanting to move faster, uh, some people wanting to move slower, bringing in stricter measures or, or easing. So there was that, I suppose, differing of opinion in the approach that perhaps the government should follow. But I do think now uh, in 2021, um, all parties and all three leaders do seem to be on the same page. Like that could be a result from, you know, um, the December criticism that they received that they've kind of had to pull together perhaps and um, just get on the same page. And I think that is something that you'll probably see going ahead in the next few months. I know there has been criticism about perhaps the Taoiseach coming out and saying one thing and um, the Taoiseach of Radker coming out to say another. But there does seem, I think, with this plan and even at this week's press conference, a bit more of a, um, you know, one voice. That's something they're trying to achieve. Even when Michal Martin was posed a question about hospitality this week and same question was posed to Taoiseach of uh, Radker, there was kind of a, a look between the two that you know don't don't give any more detail let's stick to the same narrative here and i think that is something that the criticism within their communications plan is something that they've really had to get to grips with now and before i let you go christina um this is obviously a suppression plan that the government is following we've heard an awful lot about zero covid there's a lot of advocates for it people who say we should kind of pursue the same path that new zealand and australia have done which has allowed them to or reopen their economies to a greater extent. Um, the government is, and health experts in Ireland have been clear that this is not something that we're going to tackle here. Can you give us a pure and simple, because I know this is such a fraud and complicated subject, can you give us a clear and simple reason why Ireland is not pursuing a zero COVID strategy? One of the main reasons for just a straightforward answer is the Northern Irish border. Um as one minister said to me, there's still no PCR testing or quarantine at Belfast Airport. So if you're talking about a zero COVID strategy for the entire island, that's a pretty glaring um, issue for them to even try and tackle. It's not something I suppose the Irish government is in control of. And even if you are saying that there should be more engagement with the Northern Ireland executive, the feeling is that if there's going to be any sort of um, extra restrictions in terms of travel, that has to come from Westminster. So you're talking about engagement with the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson over the issue of Northern Ireland, which obviously brings up a whole other kettle of fish. I do know that the zero COVID strategy narrative is one that does really, really bother those in government. Um, Taoiseach Michael Martin has continually said that it's not something that the government is going to pursue. They say they're following the advice of NEFIT on that one, that they are not advocating for a zero COVID strategy. And, you know, they constantly say why people want them to follow NEFIT advice to the letter. They say this is what they're doing. Um, I do definitely know that they just get very frustrated with the example, perhaps, of New Zealand and Australia saying that we're just not the same as them. So I think the, the discussion will probably continue on, but I do know that the government are pretty keen to uh, put that one to bed. 
Michelle, let's end on a positive. Tell us the latest on the vaccine rollout. Well, we're into our second week now of vaccinating those aged over 70, uh, working through those aged 85 and over first. So that over 85 cohort is due to be done by the end of next week. And then they'll move to those aged 80 to 84 and so on. At the moment, according to the latest figures we have at the time of recording, 4.5% of the population have received at least one dose of the vaccine and 2.7% are now fully vaccinated. Now, remember what that means in terms of who was vaccinated. More than 144,000 doses have been administered to people age over 65 in long-term residential care, more than 195,000 doses to frontline healthcare workers, and then 14,545 doses to those in that most recent group age over 70. Um, so we are making progress. I know that the progress isn't as fast as we'd all like it to be, but it is getting moving now. I know. I, I call it good news. It's kind of subjective because, you know, it's good in the sense that it's happening. But, you know, a lot of people will be... But it could be better. It, yeah, a lot of people are looking at the UK and 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 Israel and the US and the, the speed at which they're rolling out the vaccine programme. But look, that's a whole other topic. That's a whole other thing for another day. Thank you, Michelle and Christina, for joining us on The Explainer today. Thanks, Mickey. Thanks, Mickey. Thank you for listening to The Explainer and a big thank you to Michelle and Christina for all their work on this episode. Remember as well to visit thejournal.ie forward slash contribute to help us keep making this podcast and episodes like this. Many of you already have and we are very grateful for that. It might not be the type of trip down memory lane you fancy, but it's now almost a year since COVID arrived in Ireland and we have plenty of episodes from that time if you want to listen back to be reminded of exactly what was going on or maybe you'd rather do literally anything else and that's fine. But if you'd like something else from our back catalogue, our recent episode on Article 16 should be a must listen as it's constantly in the news so it's a handy one to get your head around. This episode was produced by Aoife Barry and me, Nikki Ryan. Thanks again for listening and we'll talk to you again next week.